Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for tech professionals. We work to simplify your finances so that you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burkwell and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, my co-host, Alexander Bradley Collins. Thank you, Ryan Parker. You forgot uh, two other names. So uh, we'll leave that f- up for mystery here. Uh, for those of you who are returning, thanks for returning. We hope this has been a valuable podcast. This podcast is all about simplifying your finances so you all can focus on what you want to do. For those of you who are new, Welcome. Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different than what we have done in the past. Uh, you know, many of you are not in the stage of, hey, I'm retiring in the next year or five years or even 10 years from now. But what we thought we'd talk about today is, you know, in the end, what we're building our life for now and into the future is going to require an income. And so the question that we've got is, How do we create income with the assets that we're growing when we decide to either stop working for a paycheck or just stop working because we don't want to? I mean, this goes back to the concept of starting with the end in mind. If we know where we're trying to get to, it's a whole heck of a lot easier to get there. So we're going to do a lot of conversation around retirement planning, but we're going to do our darndest to tie it back to why it matters today. Let's start with the the biggest issue at hand in terms of turning assets into an income. What's the the problem here? The problem is there are way too many variables to be able to actually figure out a solution. The biggest variable that really exacerbates and multiplies all the other issues is how long are we going to live? And it's getting, we're, we're living longer and longer with medical technologies, right? We, we were at a conference just the other week and it was around, you know, the average male passes away at X age. Well, that's from now until X age. Well, that that's if somebody's born today, right? Then they did another analysis of, okay, if you make it to age 65, then what is the average age? And that average age that someone passed away jumped by a good seven to even 10 plus years, depending on your sex, male or female. And so because of that, that exacerbates everything that we're doing around retirement planning, taxation, volatility, like we could have a whole podcast listing all the different (laughs) assumptions that we could put into a financial plan. Might be kind of a boring podcast, but yeah. (laughs) So let's not do that. So I think think most people understand like the issue with retirement planning is there's too many assumptions and we don't know when we're going to die. Yeah. Period. Right. So we're going to do and we're going to do four episodes. This is episode one, talking about the different methods of how we're going to turn assets into an income. Some are better than the uh, than others in terms of efficiency around taxes or volatility. In the end, it really depends on you know how you are, and it's individual. Well, there is no one definitive answer. We're going to walk through a couple different methodologies. All of them are flawed, and 
So a little bit of a spoiler, combining some of these different methods is going to be the most efficient and effective way of doing retirement income planning. So let's jump into method number one. And I think many of you may have, you could go Google this and you would get a ton of articles out there, most of which I would say are pretty accurate in terms of what the rule represents. Some articles may not give you all of the data or all the assumptions they're putting into it. But that being said, the, the first method is what we would call the 4% rule. Sure. So what this talks about is that the uh, it's designed around trying to figure out what a safe withdrawal rate is. And a safe withdrawal rate is a percentage of, in, of withdrawals that you can take from your portfolio starting in day one, increasing for inflation over time that will last your entire lifetime with a high degree of certainty. And so while most portfolios are designed around generating six to 7% rate of return, we can only take 4% of that return. And that's due to volatility. Like we're still taking 4%, even if we're down 10, 20, 30, 40%. And additionally, it's also designed to be indexed for inflation. So it's starting at 4% now and then we're tacking on three to 4% every year on top of that. Now it's not going from four to eight, it's four to 4.16 and continuing on from there. It's maybe the simp one of the simpler methods out there in terms of just the thought process of if I've got a million dollars, I can distribute 4% of that to me in terms of an income. What was calculated into this was, well, maybe what wasn't calculated into it actually was more around taxation uh, of your money, fees on your money, um, the your risk profile and behavior of your money. There's a bunch of assumptions inside of this rule that may or may not um, work in, in today's market. Specifically, well, let's bring up bonds right now. Like this is a huge piece of this rule and not that the rule is, is wrong, right? It's a rule of thumb, first of all, so it's not right. like guaranteed. But this rule is put into place and it's lasted for a very long period of time where bonds were getting six, seven plus percent per year. And so, yeah, you could take 4% and, and with inflation be able to not really have a high risk of outliving your money. Yeah, this was originally created uh, by a CFP or Certified Financial Planner uh, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s is when he'd done his research. And it's been used in various different forms across the industry pretty much ever since. So fast forward that now when we're talking about bonds. And if you just look at the last decade that kind of puts this 4% rule in question because no one expected a decade worth of low bond yields. Yeah. Well, and we're not talking about just low bond yields. We're talking about epically low bond <laughs> yields. Right. So that, that is having some people actually question, like there might be an article out there that says, does the 4% rule still apply? And there's people out there that are now arguing it's closer to 3%. And they've got a bunch of stats on it based on the last decade. The, the issue is, is we don't know what's going to happen. And that's the whole premise 
of where this role was right <laughs> as a flaw and we've also seen a bunch of articles come out that talk about like oh maybe it's a five percent rule because they're you know going in and back testing it and showing that a five percent rule may wind up working out and the potential issue with that is when you're back testing it as you just brought up with the bonds we're in a dramatically different situation now moving forward than we were even just five six seven eight years ago so so the pros to this is it's a rule that for the most part has lasted for a decent amount of time and it still hasn't technically been proven wrong if you will there's just a bunch of questions around it it's not some crazy rule of you can take 10 percent from your portfolio right it does take into account inflation Right. So there, there's some there's definitely some good pieces to this rule, which is where the rule of thumb came from. It came from actual academics that, that looked at everything. Yeah, well, it's designed to be a safe rule. Like, I don't expect it to get proven wrong. They might modify it or adjust it over time, depending upon market conditions and things of that nature. It's, it's going to work. The, we can argue about whether it's the, you know, three point eight percent rule, the four percent rule or the four and a half percent rule. We can have that conversation discussion, but you know, really it's designed around what is a safe withdrawal rate and let's use that. Now, the, the, the issues that come across with this is that depending upon what the accounts are that you're using, it's not overly tax efficient. It is capital intensive and it, it takes a lot of money to be able to do this. One of the things that when we talk about with our clients and bring up this idea and concept of income creation, most people are like, oh, I have no idea about income creation. How do you create an income? And we talk about, well, one of the, the first place that most people go is this safe withdrawal rate called the 4% rule. And then we start, they start looking at it and we're like, Holy cow. So you mean that I save up a million dollars and I'm able to create a $40,000 a year income stream? Oh, right. That's daunting. It, the, the next question is like, okay, how many millions do you need? And the answer for most clients is several or a lot. And it, it becomes daunting. That's a great word for it. And so a lot of people use a Monte Carlo simulation when they're, when they're trying to either explain the 4% rule or really the purpose of the Monte Carlo simulation is to show a failure rate. A failure rate as in what's the percentage chance, chance if I could speak correctly, chance that you outlive your money, which is a great calculation, right? So it, it does the mythical like bell curve or distribution curve where you start at X figure and ideally, you're kind of writing your last paycheck or your last check right before you pass away. And then once you put in the 4% rule, then that it, it adds that buffer so that you are not outliving your money. What, so let's take a brief minute and, and pause and talk about what you just said. Because I've had a lot of clients over the years that have said, Alex, I would love to have my last check bounce. And... In theory, I just asked my client, hey, when are you going to die? We can make that happen. <laughs> in theory, it's great, right? But the problem is, is that, and Monte Carlo is just running 10,000 different scenarios of what could potentially happen. It's really dependent upon what the underlying assumptions are. However, if you 
look at the mythical average, that bell curve that you were talking about, hitting zero at life expectancy, you still have 50, 55, maybe even as high as 60% likelihood that you're going to run out of money before then. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not the mythical average. I don't have two and a half kids, a white picket fence, a dog and a cat. Nobody ever is the average. There's just so many pieces to that that lumps everyone into this mythical average, which just doesn't exist. And right. So I love the Monte Carlo simulation because it does give you a bunch of numbers and statistics and, and you can kind of play with play with the calculator. Wait, wait, Ryan, you like numbers? It's the one calculator I actually really enjoy. <laughs> and the other side of it is how many things are not in the calculator that could make the percentage wrong. Oh, for sure. Right? Like the, the standard Monte Carlo simulation is how many years are we going to have for income? So let's use a 30-year number, right? What's our nest egg? Like how much money do we have sitting in nest egg? How much are we distributing? So how much, how much dollars are we taking per year, right? And then the last one typically is, okay, what portfolio are you going to be in? You're going to be an aggressive. You're going to be an income. You're going to be ultra conservative. What's that portfolio going to look like? Uh, plus inflation rate. Plus, yeah, inflation. And then it spits out this failure rate. Well, the problem with that, and this is where I like to play with the number, is you don't fail if you have a dollar left in the account. Meaning if you had any legacy or any kind of money you wanted to pass down to kids, if you wanted $2 to go to your kids, in this instance, you could have failed because there may be only $1 left. Right. It also doesn't take into consideration taxes at all. It also doesn't take into consideration um, uh, health, longevity. It doesn't take into consideration fees on your investments. Right. Right. If you got taxes and then you have fees on your investments and you're in a portfolio that has a fee structure of one and a half, two percent or higher, well, that also plays into it. So there's too many factors to really build out a true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when we've talked to a couple of folks who've actually tried to figure out how many variables there are, and they, they usually stop counting somewhere around 50. And like trying to put together a calculator that has 50 different variables, there's no way you're ever going to... You just get to the point where you're like, okay, well, this thing is going to be flawed, and it's just a matter of like what variables we're making assumptions on. It sounds like we're beating up on the 4% rule. It, we, we're going to beat up pretty much on every method that we bring out because there is no perfect method. There, there's nothing out there that exists. It's more so, the, so that you understand what these methods are, how you can implement different versions of them, if you will, into your strategy. And again, the reason we're talking about this with you today is the decisions you're making right now affect your future self. Yeah, I mean, if you know that you're only going to be able to create $40,000 a year on a million dollars of income, like it now makes it much easier to help figure out, like, okay, how many millions do I need? Now, there there are other more efficient and effective methods of creating income, but that's a good back-of-the-napkin calculation of, like, okay, hey, if I want you know, $200,000 a year of income indexed for inflation, all right, got it, I need $5 million. And from a taxation standpoint, this is another reason why it's inefficient is 
if you're only withdrawing the the four percent that we're talking about here, you're paying taxes on that growth. Yeah, it's likely going to be all ordinary income. So because of that, that means you're paying taxes on every dollar you take out of the the um, portfolio. Oh, by the way, eighty five percent of your Social Security is also taxable. Right. It just keeps compounding, which is why we're talking about these different variables that are just not spoken about in these articles. Right. This isn't a scare tactic. This is just trying to really, truly understand what the four percent rule is on a high level and what it isn't, how it works, why people use it, etc. And really, like to your point, Ryan, earlier of of like trying to spend that last dollar you know, the folks that that do wind up starting down that path, usually like once they're halfway or a third of the way or two thirds of the way through that curve where they're starting to see their million dollars drop and drop precipitously, they start changing their attitudes. They, they, their behavior changes and changes dramatically because they get freaked out that they're going to run out of money before they run out of breath. So let's quickly apply this to more of the active management approach around dividends. So the, the, the 4% rule really kind of apply. It's the same philosophy around taking dividends from, you know, stock producing dividends in terms of income, same taxation type issues arise. And so it's really almost the same thing. It's certainly a similar thing. Uh, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, whether the dividends are qualified or non-qualified. I mean, we can get into the weeds in a hurry on some of this stuff. Um, and like dividend paying stocks, and high dividend paying stocks, certainly not a bad uh, route to go with a, a component of it. I wouldn't want to be entirely reliant upon high dividend paying stocks as your method for creating income. It, it's just not reliable enough. Well, and that's what I mean by the, the risk aspect of active management of the reliability of it may not be there, which is the big concern around that aspect. Yeah, I mean, how many people want an unreliable income stream in retirement? Not many. So that's the first method we're going to talk about is the 4% rule. We hope you got a lot out of the conversation. Please go Google 4% method. Like go Google, does the 4% method work? Like go get some information on this. Again, the purpose of it is where you put your money today matters from a taxation standpoint, from a risk standpoint to where your money's sitting and the coordination of all your money when you turn it into income matters right now, which is why we're having this conversation right with you today. So that being said, let's let's end with the question of the day, Alex. Yeah, our question of the day is, you know, whether have you thought about how your assets are going to be turned into an income stream? And what is that information based upon? Where where did you come up with the the process for creating an income stream and turning that income stream on? So head to beerandmoney.net, and at the bottom of that page will be a spot for you to um, answer that question. Just your name and just put question of the day in the subject line and give us your response to that question. And uh, we'll go from, uh, we can share the, the details on everything later. Yeah, we can share the details. And, and if you have, if you want to start a conversation and dig more into the 4% rule or any of the other methods that we're going to talk about in the next couple podcasts, let us know. We're, we're here to be a resource for you. As always, we hope this podcast was valuable for you today. And cheers. This is only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. 
Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and the firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are the only. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 